realised I haven't written the actual intro. <laughs> In today's show, we're talking about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 58 for Friday, the 16th of February, 2024. GCP Life is sponsored by Mantle Group. At Mantle Group, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, Google is in hot water again, leaky vessels and bootloader bugs, plus barred rebrands, and can we really detect AI-generated images in the AI wars? Before we get to any of that, I'd like to introduce the co-host of the show, Ian Brown. How are you, Ian? I'm good, Baggy. How you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good, good. Got that intro written there just at the last yeah. minute. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like putting a show together at the final hour. That's it. Well, when you think about it, the, the workflow we've got, we, we go through it during the fortnight and then uh, we kind of finalise what what's going to go into the show around Tuesday, I yep. think. Uh, there might be a couple of last minute ones that come in on the Wednesday, but I don't actually get to write the intro until like the, when we actually sit down to record because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to write it up ahead because I don't know what's going to go in, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, and that's it, because it's like, uh, for instance, it's like quarter past one now. We've been on the podcast, uh, on the on the call since one o'clock, my time. And um, yeah. yeah, like literally the last 30 seconds is you putting together the, the intro. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I started the intro and then stopped because I realized I had not <laughs> <laughs> Prior to that, it was just fixing some technical bugs in a brand new build, you know, <laughs> trial right. by fire. Uh, we'll give our, that's, that's a little peek behind the curtain for you guys and yeah. how the show's put together. <laughs> Disorganisation at its best. I love it. Yes, I know, but it all comes out the end. Yeah. Ian. <laughs> um, yes, but uh, besides that, I've been playing around with my VMware rack. Yes, I saw this. Uh, You've got some 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 pretty servers there with some flashy lights. Flashy lights, um, and along with it, of course, it's all sort of come hand in hand. I've I've had to build the uh, Wi-Fi system for the house at the same time um, because I wanted to have everything set up properly behind the modem, a bridging modem, and then my firewall, and then all the Wi-Fi system behind that. Because previously, it was just all hanging off the the mesh off the um, the netcom modem, mm. and I couldn't. I, I wouldn't have been able to set up any any natting or any external ports or anything like that. So it all had sort of had to come along together and be done as one kind of hit. Um, but uh, yeah, so I had uh, an order come there with with uh, a TP-Link switch and some uh, EAPs, uh, the TP-Link six five threes, and I've dotted them around the house. I actually, got four of them. Yep, I've only implemented three at the moment. Um, and they they're pumping it out. They're absolutely pumping it out. I'm getting um, there's one just uh, in the room here, and I, like two rooms over, and I'm I'm still getting minus fifty five dB. So yeah, plenty wow. of power there. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, if I uh, if so, I've I've hooked those in and did the all the all the adoption and all that, and set all that up, and that was a bit of fun. And actually, the TP Link system has this AI optimizer in it. Mm. Um, yeah, so I remember you, set, you saying this. Yeah, so once you set them all up uh, and you, you're getting them sort of going, you hit this AI optimizer and it goes through and it works out um, the, the, the the power, the uh, channel it needs to be on and the bandwidth that each of the APs needs to be on to get 
an optimum coverage and optimum optimal signal. And uh, every time it, it's, I've run it like three or four times now, and every time I've done it, it's gone. You know, it shows you the percentage in, the percentage increase <laughs> is seventy six percent, forty percent, twelve percent. The last one I ran was like six percent. So every time it's just getting a little bit be- better. Yeah, nice. And uh, I've not had any complaints from the kids or the wife or anything. So no, it's hang on, hang on. I remember you telling me yesterday that there might have been a, a minor dilemma yesterday morning with the Wi-Fi. Oh, no, that was a separate <laughs> little incident. <laughs> uh, yeah, I put, the, I put the wrong static IP into the DHCP reservation for the firewall, and, of course, it refreshed overnight, and boom, uh, everything went off off the air. That's that's when I had it as a double NAT, but I've that's gone now. I've put yeah, it in, nice. in bridging mode. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then on top of it, that's right. I've got these four, uh, R630, Dell R630 machines Mm -hmm. and, uh, they've got, uh, four, like 1.2 terabyte spinning disks and two 120, uh, SSDs, which is more than enough for a lab. Oh yeah. Um, so the idea is I've got the four there. I'm going to put. I'm going to sort of make two sites, so to speak, and I'll have two in one site and two in another site, and that'll allow me to set up vSAN at each site as well, and I'll be able to do things like HTX migrations between the sites and um, set up routing between the sites and things like that, so I can have a full sort of uh, environment emulated there. Yeah, nice. Uh, that's the idea. But So, so they're in the rack now. Um, I've just been spending the last couple of days racking them, running some cable in, had to do an order of Cat6, some 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 patch leads. Uh, this morning I was setting up all the iDRAX, um, so they're all in place now, and uh, it's looking good. I've actually got ESXi installed on one of them, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that'll be the next step now, to go through and install ESXi on all of them, and then get on to vSphere and now, bring them all into vSphere. So, are you installing the Dell custom ESXi image on a USB and putting it on the internal header or on a disk? Yeah, so what I did, there is an internal USB header, correct, mm. and I just went down the old office uh, office works there and grabbed some 32 gig USB, stuck them in there, and that's where it's installed on that internal yeah, cool. header. But it's not the Dell custom image. Oh, Okay. So um, I wasn't, uh, yeah, I went to try and download that and had some problems downloading it, but I had a, a version 7 um, image and I threw that on there. It seems to have installed. So if I, I do the update, I know I can update it to, I think UO3 was the most recent one for version mm. 7. So Sounds then I right. can probably go the Dell update at that point. But, um, you know, I can blow it away and rebuild it if there's a problem. Um, yeah. Not a big deal. So that's where I am with that. And uh, yeah, the rack's looking good. I've got couple of switches or three switches in there actually and uh patch patch lines coming in from the wrecks of the house and yeah it's just like it's like my own little data center it's great <laughs> <laughs> data center of banky yeah, <laughs> rent your rack space now <laughs> yeah no, right. that's cool yeah well we've um so i haven't been up to a huge amount uh so as i think you know the air conditioning in my car decided it wasn't going to play ball um just before christmas which was uh not pleasant um, given how hot it was over Christmas, New mm, Year's up mm. here, and still is. It's about 30 degrees in my office currently. Uh, so I went down to see the auto electrician yesterday, uh, highly recommended bloke. And, um, yeah, he, uh, an older fella, um, probably been in the industry for like 30 or 40 years, and he went through the air conditioning system with a fine-tooth comb for like an hour and then just went, you're going to need this, this, and this, and we'll do a full test on it, and it's going to cost you somewhere in the vicinity of two grand, and it'll be fixed. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. <laughs> when can you do this? <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> because at the end of the day, it's it's only money, but air conditioning yep. is air conditioning. All right. Look, before we get on with the news items, uh, a couple of quick ones. Um, I'll link an article in the show notes uh, to a Cloud Wars video. Um, we, we've talked about cloud the Cloud Wars on the show before, uh, but this is an interview with Thomas Curian. Mm. Um, and he um, goes through uh, the highlights of the last quarter, um, talks about the latest uh, business outcomes um, and uh, discusses Gemini. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, he goes into it. Um, they also give you a, a, a brief of the, um, of the video as well, so you can just read through that. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see a video from Thomas Curry, especially these guys. I, I don't know how they pulled him. They've done well to pull him yeah. to get him for an interview like this. Uh, I imagine he'd be a very busy individual. Uh, definitely worth a look. Uh, the video is, what, half an hour long? Um, and you can get probably get some insights from that that you wouldn't from other um, media uh, interviews that Thomas has done. Yeah, that's right. It was good. Uh, I, the, one of the takeouts that I took off, uh, off the, the sort of narrative there was uh, Google Cloud has grown five times in five years. Mm. You, you think 100% year-on-year growth, which is mm. phenomenal. Mm. Mm. Well, it's, it's, the space was there, right? I mean, mm. it... You know, if it wasn't Google Cloud, it would have been one of the other guys that, that did it to, to, you know, they would have grown into the space. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good interview though. Quite. It was. It was good. Now, another one we've got here as well. This is from VMware um, discussing that with the new uh, licensing arrangements that VMware have, uh, well, it's not strictly licensing. They, they, they've, re, they've, they've shuffled around some of the SKUs and bundled things together differently. Uh, some customers could face up to 1,200% price rise. Yeah, this is, this is nuts. So what, what mm. VMware has done is they're, they're obsoleting their perpetual licensing and trying to force everybody onto subscription models. Subscription, yep. Um, and there, there's a whole heap of reasons why that might be a bad idea for some customers, but um, it appears to be, and of course, uh, there's, a, there's a VMware expert that's quoted in the article, Barry uh, Pilling, uh, he's quoted as saying it's a concerted effort by Broadcom to maximise revenue from the VMware product stack. Yeah, of course, of course, of so, course. Which, which is fairly yeah. typical of, of Broadcom. Yep. Um, but- and, and along with that, and this is what I was trying to allude to, is that they're now bundling things. So, for instance, uh, Cloud Foundations includes vSphere, vSAN, NSX, and the ARIA management tool. Yep. Um, so you just end up paying for all that. Yeah. If, even if you're not using it. That's right. Um, and and specifically, the reason I mentioned that one is because there was something else that came up during the week and we hadn't included in the show up to this point. But uh, if you do now have a Cloud Foundations license, you are free to move that between your on-prem and GCP. They yes. have allowed that in that license. Yeah, that's right. So you can, you can get that full uh, software-defined environment. Uh, if you're running it on-prem currently... Uh, or you want to set it up on-prem, then you can move the license to the cloud or you can go backwards and forwards how you please. But I wonder I wonder really how cost-effective that is. I mean, Google wouldn't be paying anywhere near the licensing price that uh, a 
smaller business in Australia would be. I I assume. I assume. No, they get you would th- you would think I would get some sort of bulk discount on that. Yeah, yeah, a hyperscaler and all. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I took out of this article is um, that. VMware or, or Broadcom now is now requesting an installed base report at renewal time, which look it, it sounds like oh yeah okay you want to you want to know what infrastructure we've got in here so that you can fit the license better, but uh, one of the other sort of positions on that and possibly a, a a bit of a the the negative side of the opinion on that is that it's a good way for Broadcom to audit customers without really thinking about it. So, yeah, it's it's a, like what's out there and how are people using our products so that yep. we can maximise the amount of money we're going to get out of it. Yeah, um, there was a university in this in this article that's quoted as uh, they've gone from like fifty thousand pounds of support or forty thousand pounds of support for the year up to now five hundred thousand pounds of support for the year, which is <laughs> it, that's an astronomical increase. Yeah. And they've probably got a whole bunch of stuff that they don't use. Yeah, that's right. In there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say it's hard to see what their motives are, but <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious what yeah, their yeah, motives well, are. <laughs> make, make as much money as possible. Yeah, exactly. It yeah, seems exactly. like what it is. <laughs> um, all right, with that out of the way, let's get on with the news items. And first cab off the rank today is probably a story that we missed um, from, uh, what, end of December, hmm. uh, and that is uh, Google settled a $5 billion privacy lawsuit over tracking people using incognito mode. I didn't even know this was going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I knew about this last year, but um, but I didn't know what the outcome was, and we I finally stumbled across the article. Uh so yeah, so Google was accused of, um, or it was alleged that they they were spying on people or tracking people whilst they were using incognito mode in the Chrome browser, um, along with similar private modes in other browsers. So sneaky, it's argued, sneaky. Yeah, yeah. So it's argued that Google's advertising technologies and other techniques continued to catalogue details of users' site visits and activities despite their use of supposedly private browsing, which. Like yeah, okay, it's it's private browsing in so far as it doesn't go into your history, but it's never really private. No, um, the class action lawsuit filed in twenty twenty said Google misled users into believing that it wouldn't track their internet activities while using incognito mode. Mm. Yeah, there you go. so so they reached a settlement, um, and that was sort of late December, early January. Uh, the terms weren't disclosed. Uh, but the suit was originally sought. Uh, sorry, the suit originally sought US five billion uh, on behalf of the users, which is roughly enough seven point three billion Australian dollars. Mm. Uh, and lawyers for the plaintiff said they expect to present the court with a final settlement agreement by February twenty four, which is only nine days away. I can't. They're not going to pay five billion dollars. I very much doubt it. <laughs> it won't be that much. It'll be some other figure, much, much smaller. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I would think so. But uh, but it's interesting. It was It's another one of those things of, like, if you're telling people en masse that you're not doing something and then you go and do it, then mm-hmm. prepare to be dragged over the coals. So who was in the class action, uh, I wonder? And, like, who was the plaintiff, like, leading plaintiff in the class action? I, I don't know anything about the actual case. Yeah, I... <clears throat> 
I don't remember the details on it and I can't find yeah. the old uh, article that I read um, because as you can imagine, we, I, we use hundreds of tabs every single day. So mm, mm, mm. <laughs> a, week, a week is too far to scroll back. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, we'll try and, I mean, yeah, in nine days, by the next episode, we should have another article that come out to give us all the details. Yep. Excellent. We'll keep tabs on that one. All right. Well, let's move on with a couple of things that uh, Google has done uh, over the last fortnight. And the first one here is uh, they've turned on a, uh, Google Switches on its first Africa cloud region. This is cool. It is. It is very cool. In 2021, uh, Google said the company would invest $1 billion to support the – hang on, I've got to say $1 billion <laughs> to support the continent's digital evolution over a period of five years. I mean, this has got to be good. Yeah. It's got to be good for a country well, like they, Africa, right? So oh. it, it was said there in a separate 2022 announcement, Google reckoned that its South Africa cloud region, uh, which at that point was just a pipeline project, would contribute mm. more than a cumulative $2.1 billion to the country's GDP and create more than 40,000 jobs by 2030. Wow, that's I mean that's got to be a massive boost to to the region. Yeah. 40,000. Wow. Yeah. And how's it I know nothing about the South African or the African tech industry. Um I mean are they how savvy are they? How tech are they? I imagine well, I don't really, I don't know, I know much as bad as much as you do, but it says here yeah. that Africa's internet economy is predicted to reach 180 billion by 2025, accounting for 5.2% of the continent's entire GDP. Okay, so there's room to move. This there's, is smart. This is yep. smart because there's room to move. There's room to grow there. Yep, right? definitely. This is the thing. You've got to get these burgeoning economies. I remember in the 90s, early uh, early 90s, the, the big the big thing was, uh, you know, sort of, Mobile phones are exploding everywhere, right? And yeah. um, the the big the big deal was you got to get into Southeast Asia, got to get into Asia because they didn't really have a telephony network per se. Yeah, right. right. Very very antiquated and not like here. You know, we, we'd pick up the phone and you assume it work, right? Like a mm. normal landline phone. They didn't really have that. Um, not to the same level, anyway. The old rotary doll. So it was all about let's yeah let's get in let's get the phones into Southeast Asia because there's so many people there and there's so much room to grow, so much expansion that can happen there. Yeah, right. And okay. I, I guess that's what the idea here is, like yeah. identifying that market and saying yeah yeah that's you know we don't have anything there like this and let's be the first and and we can capitalize on that. Yeah. So and 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 that's right. I mean Google's Google's going in and they're doing it. They've got. Uh, the the region that's opened up is in Johannesburg, um, and that just opens a pathway for other uh, countries within that South Africa region um, getting their own uh, their own region as well. Yeah, uh, and not, and don't forget the network that comes along with it, the the subsea cable that comes along with it, and the and the possibility then of uh, of Google Google Fiber as well. Yeah. I'd love to well, see that over here, but you know. Uh, NBN yeah, well. takes over. <laughs> NBN. <laughs> Don't get me started. I've, every time I go to order my fiber to the premises, they say they tell me they're not Ooh. installing my. Oh, area. speaking of fiber to the premise, um, quick quick aside here. Uh, got a letter mm-hmm. the other day to say that the build is starting in our area. Oh, so fiber to the premise is coming. Lucky you. Gigabit internet for me. <sighs> Lucky you. Although I have to say, my uh, 140 service is actually quite good. I, I get about 105 megabits out of it. Have you got the Sam mm. Nose device plugged in? I've got Sam Nose yep, plugged in nice. as well. Yeah. 
all right, so moving on. Uh, what else is go- what else is going on? Uh, Control Pod egress traffic using FQDN network policies. Yeah. Uh, tell us about this, then. Yeah, so this is a way to control the egress traffic on a pod using fully qualified domain names. So much the same as Google Cloud Firewall now supports uh, FQDNs uh, firewall for, policies, uh, yeah. in their yeah. firewall policies. Yeah. Now you can have an FQDN network policy resource on your um, deployment, on your ingress or egress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and um, and it will control what sites those pods are allowed to access. Now, there's some there's some caveats here. Uh, it's got to be running a modern GKE cluster, so 1.26, 1.27, and above. Um, you've got to be on GKE Data Plane two. Uh, you must use one of the DNS providers in your GKE cluster. So if your pod overrides the the DNS provider, then Obviously, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, Windows nodes aren't supported, and neither is Anthos Service Mesh at this point. I can see that coming in uh, in in the future. But essentially, what happens is you define um, it's a it's a v1 alpha one networking.gke.io policy uh, of a kind FQDN network policy, and you have egress um, pattern matching in there with um, with some ports and protocols, and GKE does the rest. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so some limitations of the system and known issues, I suppose you could call it, is currently if you put protocol all, uh, it doesn't match it properly. It just lets the traffic through. So you've got to define like protocol TCP, protocol UDP, uh, and the likes. That is being fixed. Right. So that's a bug more than a yeah, picture yeah, yeah. restriction. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Yep. There you go. So that's just a just a way of preventing your pods from accessing something that you might consider off bounds or out of bounds or potentially malicious. Mm-hmm. Nice. And and I guess uh if uh yeah, it does dynamically, right? So if they're they're updating their DNS or they may might have multiple IP addresses for that domain. Just looks after it for you. Yeah, yeah. So the way yeah. it's it's a bit it's a bit funny the way it works. So the DNS request to that domain still functions, but the minute the IP address comes back, that IP is put into a block list. All right, and another new feature: um, using Filestore as an accelerator for IAML workloads on GKE. Yeah, so this is now, another this is another really cool feature. Uh, so obviously, Filestore is Google's managed NFS product. Uh, it's like super fast um, premium read-write type uh, storage that you can mount to pretty well anything. Um, it has a CSI driver for GKE. Uh, and what happens is you're, you provision a file store volume or, of a certain name, and then in your deployment, you use that same name for your persistent volume claim, and now you can use that within your AIML workload. And the, the stats here are, are, are a bit cool um, because it says that you can increase the throughput by about 37%. Mm. And we couldn't do this before, just with a NFS mount? No, well, it doesn't give you that, that high IO that Filestore does. Ah, that's the difference, That's right. the difference, yeah. So Filestore's yeah, yeah. IO is phenomenal. Um, so, I yeah. mean, we used it at Unisuper for... For um, vSAN, or not vSAN, but um, storage backing. 
That's right. Yeah, and it, it was. I remember you moving stuff from VSAN onto oh. Filester, and it, it was quite snappy. Yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's not anywhere near as fast as like local SSD on a on a no. host, but I mean, not nothing is because it's it's locally connected. But um, the the stats here, uh, there's a couple of training results stats here, and if you've got um, cloud storage, for instance, your training time in seconds is four thousand eight hundred and thirty seven seconds. Um, mm. versus file store basic SSD, so it's a zonal um, product, uh, gives you 3,006 seconds, which represents that 37%. So why wouldn't you use attached storage then? Because, I mean, that's going to be quicker, right, really? Oh, yeah. Cost, cost I suppose? Yeah, so the file store cost is is quite high. Uh, we're, we're currently pricing it up on the project I'm on, and like you can run, you want 10 terabytes of storage, that's going to cost you about 10 grand a month. Yeah, but that's going to be cheaper than direct attached disk, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. So you've really got three options there oh, now, actually, right? Actually, no, no, it doesn't. It's not faster than a touch disk. If you create a 10 terabyte disk, it's not going to, it's, it'll cost you, I think it's like about three and a half grand for 10 terabytes. Yeah. Versus yep. file store costs you about 10. Huh. Yeah, it, it's, it's considerably more expensive. Is, so why would you do that? Why would you, why would you use NFS? file store over an attached disk. Then. Well, because the persistent be volume claim is still a persistent disk um, and you're connecting to it via that persistent volume claim. So file store is actually a lot faster than that because it's not using, uh, it's, it's got accelerators suppose, in the product. Right. I suppose if you're sharing between workloads as well. Yep. Yeah, that would be a big that's, one, that's, multiple that's mounts. That's a big one. Yep. 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 That'd be why. Got there in the end, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit slow today so for some reason. <laughs> Haven't slept real well. Because no use having these things without a use case, right? Yeah, you got to understand right. the use case, and then once you do that, then you can realise what it's for. Um, cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, a couple of new features there to check out. Let's move on with some security news. Um, bootloader bug. Yeah. Um, now, this... This one uh, is pretty obscure. <laughs> Bootloader bug exposes, exposes Linux secure boot. Yes. Uh, so look, this one this one was first discovered by a Red Hat uh, by the the Shim maintainer uh, Red Hat on mm. uh, January twenty third. Um, but it's mostly flown under the radar. So for those who don't know, Shim is the executable that does the secure boot bootloading. So it um, and there's I'll actually. Uh, Put a link into our into our show notes for the um, what shim is. There's a really good deep dive into what shim is and how it works and all that sort of stuff. But essentially, this bug um, supports trust attacker controlled values when passing a HTTP response, um, which allows an attacker to craft a specific malicious HTTP request, um, which leads to a completely controlled out of bands write primitive and complete system compromise. So. Obviously not good. You can you can boot servers off your network, and all of a sudden it uh, it's taken over by an attacker, and it's all theirs. Right. So, in order to do that, though, you got to, your PXE booting a server, right? Uh, is yes. that is yes. that the entry vector? Yeah. So it's ma- yeah. manipulate the okay. Pixie chain. Yep. Um. Really? How many machines are PXE booting? Oh, well, I suppose there's probably still a few around. I, I couldn't imagine there'd be a huge amount. Um, but more than likely, you'll see that in 
um, in enterprises that are maybe re-imaging servers. Yes, um, yes, uh, re-imaging stuff. Or laptops, for instance. Like I used to do it all the time when I was imaging mm-hmm. laptops. Um, you just pixie boot them from a, a network boot server and it would go in and do its thing. That, that's that's a good use case for Pixie Boot, but the thing is, that's ephemeral. So you boot up, you'll install your machine, and then you reboot and install the OS. So how I I, I fail to see the well, advantage that that a, an attacker could get out of that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, they don't they don't get. I suppose I have to go and read the CV to see yeah. more detail on how it how it how it's done and what it is, but. It's hard to see I suppose, I suppose how it, this could actually be exploited. Yeah. I suppose if you're right. just imaging machines, then, I mean, it's not yeah. going to really affect things because the, the Pixie Boot is, a, is literally the bootloader to get the, the installer working. Mm. But mm. if you're running servers off Pixie Boot, like you've got a network boot server there, um, let's say, for instance, a Citrix cluster inside of a yep. VMware environment that Pixie Boot's and um and loads up a a specific um loader that yep. that could be vulnerable to this yeah that's okay that might be a case where you've got farms of machines that are just doing the same thing Citrix yep. machines would be a perfect example yeah um and uh they just boot up and, and run from the pxc yeah but once again i mean you've got to get into the environment to do that that's right and so it's an internal so attack yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, now, to to put a bright spin on this, uh, the upstream fix is in um, on GitHub for on Shim version fifteen point eight. So it is fixed. It's just you won't see it on on Rel nine or Rocky Linux nine or any of the the major vendors for some time. It's certainly not on the LTS release. All right, and another major bug that seems to have come out is uh, the leaky vessels floor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a great name, isn't it? It's <laughs> a good name. It's a good name. Now, this this is not a a single bug. It's a collection of four bugs, and mm. it relates to um, being able to escape Docker containers. Yeah. So, and the the I suppose the scary part about this is once you've escaped a Docker container and you're on the uh, control plane in Kubernetes, you've got access to every other Docker container in on that cluster. Mm. So, mm. and that's assuming that you're root. Um, if you're not root, yep. then you've got whatever permissions you have as a user. Uh, but SNCC, uh, who was the ones who discovered this, uh, they have said that there there is no evidence of uh, this um, exploitation being used in the wild. So they've gone around and checked every Docker container and, and every Kubernetes install. Uh, I to, very to, much to doubt that. that. I very much doubt that. But but they have said yeah. that um, they can't see any any active exploitation of it in the wild. Uh, however, um, they do encourage the sysadmins that are out there who manage Kubernetes clusters and Docker containers to apply the available security updates ASAP. Yeah. So it specifically affects uh, Run C and Build Kit container infrastructure and build tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's where you need to get get your thing, get your updates uh, if you're using those tools. Yep, and there's a whole list of the CVEs there and how they work and how to defeat them. Uh, any mention of a fix on this one yet? Yeah. So the uh, right down the bottom of this article, it's impact oh, remediation. Yep. 
uh, and the different vendors, so AWS, GCP, um, and Ubuntu have, pub- have published relevant security bulletins guiding users uh, through the appropriate steps to resolve the flaw. Uh, and there's uh, the new Docker release version 4.27.0 uh, also yep. rectifies this. And fixes were released on January 31. Uh, build kit fix flaws with version 0.12.5 and run C uh, fixed it with 1.1.12. So if you're yep. running that or higher, you should be fine. Yeah. And uh, one last one for security. And this one's a little bit closer to home. The Australian, uh, is, is it the Australian Australian Signals Director? Home Affairs officials home affairs, have refused. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Home Affairs officials have refused to confirm a report that military intelligence veteran Major General Michelle McGuinness will be the next National Cybersecurity Coordinator. So what's happened is uh, our, our friend Air, Air Marshal Goldie, uh, a couple of months after taking on the position of Australian Cybersecurity Coordinator, he went on extended leave. Yeah. Uh, and uh, only a couple of months after it, and he's not come back. Did you see what so- he cited for the, for the reason why he needed the leave? And uh, a workplace matter, yeah. an unrelated workplace matter. Well, mm. yeah, <laughs> a workplace matter. Mm. I wonder what's going on there. But yeah, so yeah, that, that that's another story. Yeah, I think, yeah, itself, I, think I, I think that one really should be investigated a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Home Affairs Secretary Stephanie Foster said that the permanent replacement for Air Marshal Goldie uh, would be announced in the coming weeks, uh, mm. in mm. response to questions by Shadow Cybersecurity Minister James Patterson. Uh, no one will confirm nor deny whether uh, Major General McGuinness will be will be the one. Uh, but she does come from quite the quite the background. So she's currently the deputy director for Commonwealth Integration at the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But here's the thing: uh, this article does say this, like the previous incumbent, Royal Australian Air Force Air Marshal Darren Goldie, McGuinness does not have experience or qualifications in cybersecurity. That's right. I. I don't know. And these top brass, I mean, are they going to have experience in cybersecurity? No. no, they're not. No, they're not. Um, it just, it just like, it, for me, it just reaffirms that, that I mean, you, you serve, you've probably got an opinion on this. I don't think the ADF is ready really in any capacity. So, like, And th- this, this shows it. So what it says to me is that by the time someone has got to the, to the rank where they can become this head of agency. It takes years and years they and years, are right? so yeah. out of date with the current cybersecurity practices that they're useless. Moved on. Yeah. And not to say on. that Major General McGuinness will be useless, but but what I'm saying is that like cybersecurity moves so, so quickly and mm. you, you've mm. really got to keep on top of it. It's It's got to be your bread and butter for your entire life in order to stay on top of it. Yeah. Um, so putting someone in there who maybe hasn't touched cybersecurity in 10 years. Um, I mean, they're 10 years behind. You're putting someone in yeah. from 10 years ago. And and the ADF just not mature enough in their cybersecurity practices no. to have someone in a top position that's got the required skills. That's right. I right? think I think ASD it, should ha- definitely, so the Australian Signals Directorate, sorry for the, yeah. I 
acronyms, ex-military, so acronyms are everything. Um, <laughs> uh, probably why I fit into IT so well, because it's got more acronyms than any other industry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Australian Signals Directorate uh, should probably be the ones who head up cybersecurity, being that that is their bread and butter. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting position when they're, they're trying to put these military brass into those cybersecurity roles, and clearly... They're just not capable at the moment. No, that's um, right. Because I, I get it. I get it. Right. It's it's a battlefront. Right. It's it's the next warfare. Right. So yeah, yeah let's let's have some let's have these guys in there that that um, should have the skills and knowledge, but it's different. It's completely different. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. You're 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 competing on a virtual space that mm. can be there one second and go on the next. Yep. Um. I I guess it sort of dovetails in with like certain security clearances and things that they would need to have at this level and like someone like Major General Michelle McGuinness would have that. Yep. I don't know how far um, the guys in the signal directorate, well, I guess they, they would they have, have, have They to, have they just they the same clearance yeah. they have to Yeah, because uh, yeah. they're dealing with national security yeah. um, surveillance. But yeah, look, um, it's uh, unfortunately it's a it's a reflection on how governments move and uh and how the military moves the military is still stuck in in the 1970s where where um battles are fought on a battlefield and not Mm. on a computer yeah that's clearly not the case anymore yeah all right well we'll uh keep an eye on that one and see uh she gets the top job Mm. uh let's do it eh? let's get on with the ai ai wars It's always my favourite time of the fortnight. The AI wars. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so straight off, uh, straight off the top here, we've got uh, Bard rebranding. Bard is now Gemini. It is. Bard is yep. Gemini. Yep. Bard was something else before it was Bard, and then yep. it's Gemini. <laughs> I'm sure we can make a song out of that. <laughs> Uh, of course, Gemini is the language model that backed Bard, uh, but now we're just calling the whole thing Gemini. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and along with that, we're getting a paid subscription. Yes. Yes, a paid subscription. Because why Why can't we have a paid subscription? Why not I have mean, a paid subscription? Yeah, we've got, you've got <laughs> Gemini in the, the Pixel 8 now. Um, there's a version of Gemini, we'll, we'll call it loosely, in the, the Samsung S24. Um, and then you can use gemini.google.com and go and ask Gemini questions there. Uh, and then you've got Duet AI if you're a programmer or, or a, a DevOps engineer and you're using VS Code or any other um, supported IDE, you've got Duet AI to help you write code. Um but now we need a, a subscription model for, for Gemini <laughs> Pro or Premium. So, so the subscription's $19.99 US a month uh, and you get access to Gemini Advanced. It's, it's a slightly better model, mm. well, much better model, uh, more powerful Ultra 1.0 AI model, um, and you get two terabytes of cloud storage. Mm, okay. The storage alone typically costs $9.99. So you're paying so, another $10 for the, for the AI models. Could be enticive. Could be enticive. I don't know. 
Uh, it's uh, bundled as the Google One AI premium plan. Now I've got Google One. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the, the two buck ninety nine one no, where, you, no, no, where no. you get like a couple of terabytes of storage. No, I've got the. Hmm, I can't remember how much I'm paying. It's like like nine dollars a month or something. I can't remember. Ooh, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, because we store all of our photos in Google Photos, and yeah. um, and I want Google One VPN on everything, even though. And Google, I hope you're listening. You don't support Linux yet. Get onto that, quick smart. Oh, <laughs> shame, shame. Yep. Um, but yeah, so uh, we use Google One. Uh, I'm not sure that they could convince me to spend thirty dollars a month. Um, certainly not when I've got a Pixel Seven and I can't even get the Gemini app on my phone now. Um, you can't. There's, nope. You can't get it oh, on Pixel Seven. No, it won't support. Well, no. so yeah, so you can get the Gemini app um, that replaces the Google Assistant, mm-hmm. but not in Australia. Yet. 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 Yes. Yet. Okay. Okay. It's not available in the in this country yet. I have to admit, I never actually went looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely there. Uh, I went looking for it the other day because I was like, "Oh, I could have Gemini on my Pixel Seven. That's awesome." So I went. Went searching for it, and it's actually called Gemini App. Gemini App. Gemini, I'm just looking at This is some live installing right here. <laughs> Gemini App. Gemini App. Gemini by... Uh, okay. Google Assistant has come up in the um, the search when I do search for... Okay. Gemini is coming to Google Assistant. Yep. Yeah. Right. So, because you've got a Pixel 8 Pro. So it's going to integrate with Google Assistant, yeah. is it? Right. Yeah, okay. so it's it's going you know, to essentially replace it because Gemini is the um, is the model that that has reasoning and everything built into it. So it's mm-hmm. it's quite a lot more advanced than the normal like but what Bard was and what ChatGPT is. Um, and I, I really am looking forward to it, but I don't know that they're going to convince me to pay thirty dollars a month for it. No, <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, regular searching and a bit of Duet AI is doing everything I need at the moment. Yep. Um, especially not for $30 a month. Yeah. And and even Gemini on the web is doing, like if, if Duet AI isn't giving me the data that I need, I'll go to Gemini on the web and, and use that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's that's doing the doing the work. Um, all right. But um, look, maybe they'll they'll have a bit of a shuffle, you know, a bit of a shake up around their pricing and plans and, and things when this comes in. Yeah. I hope so. Because um, I'd really like so, to yeah. try it. But yeah, that's that's a bit that's a bit much. Yeah. Yep. Especially when you convert it to Aussie dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that's <laughs> so nineteen ninety nine is thirty dollars and eighty one cents Australian. Yeah. At the time when this was published, which was February ninth, so it's probably gone up. It's then, yeah, because our dollars got weaker. And speaking of Gen AI, um, Meta to start labelling AI-generated images from companies like OpenAI and Google. Yep, they certainly have. So they they're labelling their own, and they have been labelling their own mm-hmm. um, for some time. But Meta will apply labels to any content carrying the markers. Uh, that it posted to its Facebook, Instagram, and thread services in an effort to signal to users that the images, uh, which, which, and I, mu- I will admit I've been tricked by a couple of them, uh, in mm-hmm. many cases resemble real photos, are actually digital creations. 
I'm going to ask the question. Mm-hmm. How are they going to know? I don't know. Uh, there, there How is evidently, are they going to there's, know? There's evidently some markers there. Um, but what they have said is uh, once the new technology is up and running, Meta will do the same for images created on services run by AI, uh, OpenAI, Microsoft, Adobe, Midjourney, Shutterstock, and Google. And they've said in, in this article here that um, that there will be, for, for content creators that use artificially generated images in their content, uh, if those creators refuse to tag those images as artificially generated, um, there'll be penalties for it. Right. This is, this is a train wreck waiting to happen. Oh. I can just see it coming down the tunnel now. This is just going to turn into a hot mess. Yep. Imagine how many false positives are going to be. Oh, there's going to be that, heaps. That's my concern, right? Yeah. Like it's it, it's I've heard of it um, anecdotally happening already. Like there was uh, some uh, Reddit forum where people were posting their artwork, and people have already been pinged by the community saying your artwork's AI generated, and the creator said, "No, hang on a minute, no, it's not. I've created it myself." Mm. Uh, if people can't get it right, how are the machines going to get it right? Well, that's it, and it's. And then you've got you've got that coupled with um, Facebook's abhorrent uh, reclassification process. So if you get incorrectly flagged for like DCMA or anything like that, the process to get your content um, reactivated on their platform is absolutely atrocious. A nightmare. Yep. Think of what's happening on YouTube. The amount of content creators that get pinged for for uh, you know con- content infringement. Yeah, there's people. There's stories of YouTubers having a second channel, and their content on the second channel is too similar to the content on their primary channel. So they for, second channel gets pinged for yep for for ripping them off, ripping themselves. Oh, hang on a minute. Uh, it, it, this is oh, this is going to be a nightmare. But I'm going to sit back and watch. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be yeah. fun to watch. <laughs> Let's watch the dumpster fire burn. <laughs> it's going to be a dumpster fire. Yeah, because uh, it's just going to be an arms race, constant arms race, and the the AI detectors are going to be. It's going to be the machines v the machines. Yep. It really will be the AI wars, right? <laughs> the people who are making the AI art, and then the machines will be trying to detect the AI art. It's just going to be leapfrogging each other. And, and how long is it going to take for? some content creator to find a way to generate art that crashes the AI detector. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's oh, a good I want one to see well. the day that that happens. I'm thinking about music, mm. right? So you're getting AI-generated music now. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's happening. Like uh, I've, I don't know if you've ever used um, uh, Go To This Song Radio. I don't know if you've ever used that no. feature. In, so what you do is you, you find a song that you like on Spotify and you go, oh, I want to kind of listen to songs like that of, of that ilk, mm. like like nineties hip hop or something, and it'll just generate a, a, a playlist that's just goes on forever with all the songs of that ilk. It's kind of a cool way to, to find songs that you'd never listened to before, you would not normally listen to. Okay, um, yeah. So use that feature. Now there was one, one particular song I this was a few months ago. Now I, I did that with, and all the songs that came up in the radio all sounded very, very similar. And they just were all copy pastas of each other. And listening closely, like it wasn't quite defined properly. It wasn't very clear. And I thought these songs are all AI generated. They had to be. And someone's just spammed them all up onto Spotify and they're getting thousands of hits and they're getting some some coin return on, on those AI generated songs. So yeah, right. 
I, I went back and I've tried to generate that same radio channel again and all those songs have gone. So Spotify's obviously picked it up. But mm. here's the thing. What if the opposite of that starts happening? What if someone's got, you know, a million, you know, million plays on a song and Spotify pings you as AI generated and suddenly that song's removed? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, yeah. it's going to happen. Hot mess. It's, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, Google already flags on YouTube. If you put post a video on YouTube with music in it, Google already attempts to detect the author, or the That's songwriter, right. or the musician for for that piece That's of right. music, and they have uh, musicians can go in and put um, copyright stuff on their um, on their music uh, for Google to respect. So if I let's say I, I posted a video and it had some music that a that a content uh, that a musician didn't want me to use, Google would flag that immediately, and I wouldn't actually be able to post that video. That sort yeah, of happens. So they have they have agreements with the record labels as well mm. to actually p- permission to use that. And that we're not going to go into it now, but there was a whole hubbub with uh, TikTok and Universal Music. Universal pulled all their licensing on TikTok. Um, I've I got to catch up with that story, but TikTok needs Universal and Universal needs TikTok. So they, they both need each other, uh, but there's going to be they're going to be complaining about it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, now into AI, into the mix, and oh boy. Oh, yes. It's going to be fun to sit back yeah. and watch. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think... Uh, uh, but yeah, we'll see how the detectives work, right? We'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. What's her name? Uh, Connor from from Terminator? She'll be rolling in a grave. Sarah Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Connor, that's it. Um. And, uh, yeah, just on that, uh, I've just got that last link here. And just on that, uh, I will link uh, to the uh, Google One AI page, uh, Google One AI Premium Benefits page. Oh, yeah. And that breaks breaks down what you actually get if you get the Google One AI Premium package. Yep. All right. I think that's about it for the AI Wars. It is. It is. We've and run out of things to talk about. We have. And that's about <laughs> it for this fortnight's show. Don't forget to go to iTunes and write the write a review for the show to really help the show out. Uh, you can contact the show, gcplife at kazan.com.au. I believe I have not been notified if that's been changed to a mental group address as yet. Uh, don't forget, uh, you can find us on the web as well. And don't forget, today's sponsor is Mantle Group. Uh, at Mantle Group, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. Uh, all right, that's probably it from us. Anything else from you, Ian? No, mate, I, uh, I'm going to go and let the air conditioning guys into my room so that they can put air conditioners in here. Awesome. Let's hope it cools the place down, yeah, eh? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and we'll catch you in a fortnight. See ya. Bye. Um, let's move on to some good, 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 good,